What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, it's Dave here. This is my wife, Kathy. Hello. This is the cinema where we walk home from the movies. We are about to go into the movies. We're next door in a cafe having a cup of tea because it's lashing. It is torrentially That's raining. That's what we say in Ireland. Is yeah. that an Irish thing? I don't know, but it's torrential. It is lashing out there. It's lashing. And we are... It's actually a Thursday afternoon and it's my birthday. Happy birthday. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Um, and my birthday wish... I've just discovered it <laughs> My birthday wish was for Dave to take a half day with me and we went for a nice lunch and then we go and see Judy yes along with all the golden oldies and she sang someday yeah, somewhere over the rainbow maybe on Thursday <laughs> um, and it's because I've actually been really wanting to see this since it came out but it came out the opening weekend we went to Joker and then it's not really been the reason I, we need to take Joker a half day Joker and Judy work, would be a good uh, it would be a good double bill a good, but yeah. this um it's not on in the evenings. Well, not near us anyway. You actually have to go in the afternoon. Yeah, this is a midweek afternoon movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's unavailable if you are gainfully employed. <laughs> so luckily we've had you a leave left over. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's like the perfect birthday. Um, and it's a kind of thing that's nice to go and see on a rainy day as well. Why are you so excited about this film in particular? Well, I love... Are you a big Judy girl? I don't, honestly don't know that much about Judy Garland, but I really, truly love The Wizard of Oz more than I can say it's absolutely one of my favourite movies of all time and I love her in it and she's so exquisite and then I don't really know like much of her career after that obviously I know she kind of had a battled a lot with like eating disorders and like mental health problems and I know that she committed uh, attempted suicide like upwards of over 20 times something like that Um, and she I think like very early on was having like mental breakdowns like I think she was absolutely chewed up by the studio system back then and you know when she was a kid like she was she was said to sing like an adult even as a young girl because her voice was so big and booming and exquisite so but I don't really know any anything about her personally and I don't know anything about her latter life and this movie is set over a short period late in life for her um, so I'm just really intrigued, to be honest. And I and Renee Zellweger sings all the music herself, and apparently she's amazing. Really, I didn't yeah. know she could sing. Um, well, she was in Chicago, remember? Oh yeah. So oh, yeah, I had no time for that movie. 
Ren- I never saw it actually. Um, but yeah, Renee Zellweger as well. I'm a big fan of hers. So, and what apparently every like everyone's saying she should get an Oscar for this. It's like across the board Oscar buzz. But this is the this is an Oscar looking movie, isn't it? I don't have all I've seen is the poster and and I know this. All is, I've seen is a the gift. Oscars love a biopic. I haven't seen a trailer, but I've so, I watched her on Graham Norton talking about it, and they showed a clip, and it seemed ama- like she just seemed amazing in that one clip. What's the name of that Netflix show she she was in recently? And we watched the pilot, oh and it was God. in decent proposal, but like swapped. She was um, she played Robert Redford's character, yeah. and she was proposing a hot young um, barman slash firefighter. Fireman. <laughs> barman slash fireman. As you do. Um, we watched the pilot of that, and she was like the pilot wasn't very good, but she was so enjoyable, and she was so camp. And I thought, God, I haven't seen her in a long time, excepting that the the Bridget Jones diary that came out about three years ago. She Which I took, quite enjoyed. Yeah, she took a long time out of movies. Um, and I think she's brilliant, so I'm really pleased she's back again. And I think she looks really like Judy Garland in the, in the clips I've seen. But yeah, I'm, I can't wait to hear her singing. I'd never have pegged her for Judy Garland. I wouldn't have either. No. It's wonderful casting, though, because she really looks like her. So yeah, I can't, I'm, honestly, I can't wait. I'm so thrilled. And because it's my birthday, I'm going to get a brownie when we go... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's on me. Thanks. All right. Well, I wish I could. Wish I could gather a brownie and um, go to the cinema on, on a Thursday, Thursday afternoon. afternoon. I know, right? It's awesome. I wish I could gather as much enthusiasm as you have. I have more enthusiasm for this than I have at being at work. So I oh, guess you should hope so. So there's there's that. Yeah. So I'm definitely things are looking up. But you might um, like it. Oh, I might like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I'm just saying, going movie. into this, I'm not like, yeah. Judy <laughs> <laughs> I mean it would be probably weird if you were um, yeah we'll just have to see how it goes but it feels like quite low key so alright yeah, I, th- I think there'll be tears from both of us challenge accepted <laughs> it's not easy to make me cry it's though. very easy to All make right. you cry let's go yeah Judy Bye. let's do it are you going to be alright what if I can't do it again mama mama are you there somewhere to take better care of yourself you understand everybody has their trouble and i've had mine i just want what everybody wants i seem to have a harder time getting it do you take anything for depression four helpers didn't work right okay it stopped raining, but my face is wet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, fucking hell, that's, that was devastating. Uh, yeah, Dave's given you such a doubter before we went in. What, what are your well, thoughts? It wasn't a doubter, I just wasn't very interested in the movie. What are your but thoughts I really, on the movie? really recommend seeing this. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful movie. It's, uh, and I, I, I don't know anything, I really don't know anything about Judy Garland. Um, Except Wizard of Oz and Gay Icon. Those are the only two things I could have told you. I mean, I, I, did, kn- I did know about the... Um, what the studio did to her. But this... So I, so I can't... I th- fine, three things. I can't... So I can't really speak to sort of the... You know, the, whether or not this is a portrayal... An accurate portrayal of, of her no, as a person. Well, you don't need to do that. You can no, and I'm not going as to. But what, as, a, as a person that this movie presents I found her to be um, wholly lovable and endearing and tragic and self destructive and somebody who's essentially 
in in a prison, um, not of her own making, one that she was trapped in because of her success. And it's a story that we've seen played out in front of on a global scale by the entertainment industries for for decades and generations. We've seen it as far back as the early studio system of Hollywood in a very different and sinister way. We saw it in the 70s and 80s, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. We've seen it with Amy Winehouse. The, um, it's... And it, it, it's reflective of our society, the way we revere people and as an audience are hungry for them and then the people around the people with the talent see that and profit off it and try and control it and it's a very common story and it's portrayed in the, the most heartbreaking way here all through her eyes by Renee Zellweger in a, just a staggering She's unbelievable. performance yeah. I thought she was amazing I just cared for her so much and I was just a mess. I was an absolute mess at the end of this movie, <laughs> I mean, I and several very times throughout like, this movie. Next to me. I thought um, it was heart, absolutely heartbreaking. I'm just actually, I'm very emotional. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's interested, we were the only people in the audience who didn't have white hair. I've never noticed <laughs> yeah. that before because I walked nah. in. Um, or, and the lights had already dimmed but there was trailers playing and just the spotlight from the screen was just bouncing off all the grey heads it was amazing but it is it's an, after, it's yeah. an afternoon everyone's at school or in work yeah. or, or well uh, that's retired. what I basically when we were retired that's us we're in the cinema every afternoon right still doing this podcast yeah, of course welcome to episode 6024 <laughs> of the cinema anyway honestly it was like and we'll be, I knew we'll be it reviewing was, Star Wars episode 26 I knew I'd enjoy this movie but I was not expecting to love it as much as I did. It's devastating, like you said. It's like it's exquisite. Renee Zellweger, I always knew she was a good actress and I've always liked her. But this is something else. Like this is transcendent, this performance. I felt like I was watching Judy Garland, particularly in profile. She is so like her. I know they've clearly given her false teeth. And I saw her talking on Graham Norton about how she adapted Judy Garland's like hunched shoulders yes um, but it's something else like I mean she's very I, hunched like, to have the to have the courage to sing as Judy Garland and do such a good job is outstanding like you know in the recent Bohemian Rhapsody movie that wasn't him singing like most of the time like to live up to and Judy Garland's like the most famous for her voice more than anything else so to be able to do that and do it so well is just phenomenal. But even aside from the singing, even if she hadn't been singing, her performance is unbelievable. She's so nuanced and she can be so over the top one minute and so like silently devastated the next minute. But all of that aside, right, even, even though you can't talk about this movie without talking about her performance, first and foremost, I think it's such a well done movie because... It doesn't in any way fall into the usual traps of like biopics. It's very much focused around this one part of her life, and then there's only flashbacks to one other part of her life. So it's not gone and done that awful thing of trying to start from A to Z and just drag you along like so many movies do, and they get really tedious. We got a chance to really explore her in this late stage of her life. 
I can't believe she was only 47 when she died like she seemed so much older you know that footage you see of her as an older woman oh my god yeah I did not know she was only 47 I really didn't um, I, I really agree they, they picked they, didn't, they don't give you A to Z they just give you A and Z yeah they give you the beginning and the end and, and they, they inform each other and reflect each other because the same thing is happening to her um, towards the end of her life. She's a product, isn't she? It's the same exact thing. There are just different faces controlling her. Yeah, she's just a and product she's, she that has is no, brought on stage Yeah, she's a commodity. Yeah. She's a commodity and even her husband's used her as a commodity and we, we meet one of her new relationships in this movie who again just sees her as with dollar signs. Though and we have to say though, this movie is very um, sympathetic and kind of from her perspective. I mean, I'm sure she was no walk in the park to be married to either. They hint at that, no. like she's very self-destructive, and you know she is unreliable. Like there's a reason she can't get booked. Um, but it's devastating because we see her drug and alcohol addiction as an adult. But we know. I mean, we both knew before we saw this movie. She was given drugs on the set of The Wizard of Oz by the studio. So, like she was addicted to diet pills at whatever age she was in that movie. Um, she'd been given uppers, downers. No, I got- she had a, like disordered eating. She had a lifetime of eating issues. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just. And all of got- that could be could make up a trite movie, but this movie is not trite because I, it was handled so though, delicately. I will say though, the the flashback scenes with her as a as a child in the studio system occasionally teetered on trite for me. Um, or it, it, they, as soon as Renée Zellweger comes off screen, and you're, it felt a bit almost stagey. I mean, literally, they were on stage. Yeah. But, but it, it, and, and I'm not saying it did because I think they absolutely reined it in. And it, the, on a, as a whole, there's very, there's very little wrong with this movie. I think it's near perfect. But the, but occasionally it did teeter on them, um, uh, almost like premium Hallmark movie in, in terms of its subject which I think in some ways it can't help but doing because it's it's in anyway, Hollywood on a movie yeah. set but also it's the kind of storyline you know lots of women's stories are the ones that tend to get relegated to that sort of environment so when you're watching a movie about a young girl struggling with those kind of issues you can naturally think of some cheesier movies because they can tend to be the subject matter yeah. So it's a bit of a maybe, chicken and the egg thing. It. And like, you know, Renee Zellweger is like a true method actress. Like when she was playing Bridget Jones, she did the whole, she spoke she in English. She wrote a English, diary. She wrote, no, she wrote, she spoke in an English accent the whole time. Like she really commits, like in, in Bridget Jones, she has an amazing English accent, by the way. Like most people, most Americans can't do that. Um, that's a total by the by, but she is like a true actor, like of a generation I mean this I know she's won loads of Oscars anyway or been nominated for loads of Oscars for like Cold Mountain Chicago I can't remember what else but this feels like it just completely cements her as that like a superstar and like only someone as good as her could have played Judy Garland and to pull it off in this way is just like I don't think I mean it's unbelievable like the director I mean they the, like they must have been watching her performance just like dying I mean, what a gift to have her. Um, but she, I think she, should... she props the whole movie up. But actually, the it's quite a, it's quite a, uh, it's a really well-rounded screenplay. Yeah, it's, it's I really saw well it was, written. Um, 
adapted from a stage play which kind of makes sense it's tight and it's like like it's long but it doesn't feel long because there's not a moment wasted in it no but but the everything yeah exactly not a moment wasted but every character is informing her and um, reflecting her and the way she views the world yeah what I found so tragic about her was this prison that she's in in which it's described in the opening scene this isn't really a spoiler by her studio prison warden essentially who's describing the ordinary life across America these across America there are these tiny towns with girls who may be prettier than you but they don't have what you have you've got he, the, the voice the worst part is he says they're all prettier than you you're not pretty oh, the, you're the, fat the level of sort your of parents don't love you psychological subtle very subtle psychological abuse that was inflicted upon her is just nasty and I'm sure but, it was probably more overt than that back in the day but for the movie's sake they didn't want it to be so ham well, yeah. but the, but the what, 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 he's ex- what he was expressing to her is an outside world that he says to her that there's a line which is essentially you can step out of these doors these studios said at any time and you can go out there and you can disappear like a like a drop in an ocean and we'll all forget about you and in a way she's trapped because she's attracted and seduced by the stage and the lights oh, and, she, the and, she lives for the and the audience. And we see that, and she lives it. And so they say from the age of two, she couldn't be dragged off a stage. Yeah, so she can, she can, exactly she can't give it up. But at the same time, she's looking from the inside out at a world she she can't inhabit this ordinary life. Um, and it's so easy, you know, it's so easy for us to look at celebrities, and we've had these conversations several times. Partic- um, but you can look at them and say, "Oh yeah, they—they're privileged. They have everything." But it's a trap. It's an absolute trap. You're, the more famous you become, the less freedom you have. Well, the difference as well, like with Judy Garland and other people you mentioned, like the Corys. Um, Judy Garland was entered into the studio system, which we know was an awful one anyway, particularly for women. But she, like, she didn't. She couldn't consent to that. Like, you can't legally consent before the age of eighteen. And she was, I think she was 13, maybe, making The Wizard of Oz. Don't quote me on that number, I could be yeah. wrong. But she was in stuff before The Wizard of Oz, too. She was already part of the studio system. Like, she she didn't really... This is why you need people protecting children's rights, because, of course, she wanted to be in The Wizard of Oz. Who wouldn't? Of course, she wanted to be on stage. But what she didn't want is to be working 18 hours a day, being addicted to diet pills, not allowed to eat, and, like, completely separated from any normality. And that's why you need people who look after children in these situations in showbiz, because a child cannot consent to that workload. Yeah. Um, and to have someone say, "Okay, you can be Dorothy, or you can fuck off," basically is like the ultimatum. Like, of course she's going to pick to be Dorothy. But I think, even though it's real life, I think we should go to Spoiler Street to talk about this movie. Okay. A huge endorsement from us both, though. Yeah. Go, Don't I, overlook it. Go find this movie. Yeah. Take take a half day off work <laughs> on a Thursday. <laughs> go with your grandparents. Go see it, um, and honestly. I, I mean I cried so much I cannot remember the last time I was this touched by a movie I actually felt a bit ill at one point because I was crying so much and I could just hear Dave weeping next to me <laughs> um, it's, honestly it's just fantastic and I love it uh, yep yeah, alright but some se- awkward segue to, to plug our Patreon now <laughs> uh, before we get to Spoiler Street um how about this one? How about speaking of uh, really successful uh, people with horrible lives that they can't escape? 
We just watched all of Succession season two. <laughs> uh, and if anyone's not watching Succession, go watch that because it's amazing. And we recorded a two hour episode chatting about that because we are obsessed with it. I think it's the longest episode we've ever it's done. Definitely the longest episode we've ever done. Uh, that's available over on our um, uh, bonus podcast feed, uh, available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers at thecinemile.com forward slash Patreon it's called the Cinemile High Club loads of retro movie and uh, TV reviews that's the latest uh, head over there and subscribe if you want to help us uh, help us out and support the show uh, just like John Dennehy thank you John uh, Philip Bridgehouse thank you Philip Danny JP Kate and Martin Gannon thank you all thank for you subscribing so much. for two or three dollars a month and for all your contributions because um, how it works is we do like every month we do bonus TV and, and movie reviews but also we do these really fun polls with our listeners and our patrons where they, they pick what we're going to watch next and people are so interactive on it so we love that so thank you so much yeah we have a lot of fun in there so check it out if, you're, uh, if, you, if you want more of this nonsense right now spoiler street for, for Judy um, I want to talk specifically about a couple of scenes okay go on because there's three scenes in this movie that I couldn't I literally could not cope with because they were so poignant so the first the first one that just like oh so she's so lonely right she's gone to London because she needs to make money ooh it's quite mucky here she needs to make money because she doesn't have a home for her children to live in and their dad I think you know quite rightfully is insisting they live with him because he's got a house Um. So she's gone to London because it's the only place she can get a gig, basically. And she says, the, London, the English are crazy, to which no one in our audience laughed. Um, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I laughed. Me. Yeah, we laughed. <laughs> the English people in the audience didn't laugh. Um, and anyway, she's so lonely. She's on every sort of, I guess, upper, downer. And what she's taking, she can't sleep. And presumably how, how she's jet lagged. How about that very um, uncomfortable moment in the taxi with, with her daughter when the oh, daughter God. says sees her take a pill and says please don't go to sleep now mummy yeah like the daughter like, knows she's oh, taking and she says don't says, worry it's not one so of those much. tablets it's the other kind yeah. anyway she gets to London she can't sleep right and after one of her shows this gay couple who've been going to all her shows are waiting at the stage door yeah this whole thing and just this ruined just was me. like she's so lonely it's midnight and they're like you know we love you and she's like let's go for dinner and, and it turns into this wonderful scene where she ends up in their apartment and they're like cooking for her and she just needs love and affection and they love her so much and and it turns into this wonderful moment and it kind of peaks she's one of them's playing the piano and she's singing and I mean I was just crying anyway because it was so tender but then he can't even play the piano anymore because he's so overwhelmed with emotion because he loves her so much and he's crying she's hugging him and again that all sounds really trite but it wasn't no that's was one, of the, so one of the best scenes of the movie yeah. but do you know what as well it was like I liked how they subtly um, wove in her status as a gay icon yeah um, very subtle quite yeah was not um, ham fisted and, and also they sort of managed to parallel um, the fact that these two men um were also in a prison. Literally, he he refers to, in a li, in a literal sense. His he refers to his partner was in prison because um, being gay was um, was a crime. Was a crime yeah. when they first tried to see her, which is just heartbreaking. So they 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 are sort of these 
two or three lonely lost souls I know. who kind of found each other across an ocean through music. And then in the yeah, and she says every time wonderful. I see you two, I look out in the audience and I see you two and I know you're my allies. And then in that moment yeah. they realise that as much as like she means to them, he realises they actually mean something to her. And in the end that comes through again. So that was an amazing scene. Then the other scene I wanted to talk about was... Um, but actually, sorry, just to touch on that once once more. That also is her... It wasn't just her seeking... You know, she clearly is lonely and has no actual friends. You know, the people she refers to as her friends they're when her staff. boyfriend comes along and they go to the pub. Yeah, they're just her caretakers, essentially. But these are two people who are the most ordinary people... She she knows, as in who has just yeah. said, like that. That's that's the life she yearns for that yeah. she can't have. And they're a loving Going, couple who just live in the small yeah. flat together, and they don't really have anything. But she but she loved it. Like, and they were so embarrassed about we can't find a place to eat, and oh my god, you put cream in the omelet, and it was just like she was just so happy. I she know. was happy in that moment. That was the happiest we saw her in yeah. the whole movie. Just no expectation. Yeah. Just hanging out with these. Um, two people who wanted to hang out with her and it was just no egg. oh I loved it it was amazing they weren't asking anything of her um, and then the other one I wanted to talk about was there's a lot going on in the movie in terms of like her kids and and, and the, the kid's dad actually you know is, is fighting for custody and she really like she really wants to have the kids but she does not have the means and then there's this devastating scene where she phones her daughter from a phone box Oh, and she yeah. says to the daughter, you know, if you want to be somewhere stable and not get moved all the time, like, that's okay, you can tell me. And in that scene, I was like, oh, she's actually a really good mom because she actually is angry as she got with the ex-husband when he told her the kids don't want to move anymore. She did come back and and put her pride aside and she actually phoned, like, she knew at that point she wasn't going to get the money to buy a house. She gave them the choice. Yeah, yeah. she said to the daughter, like, it's okay, you can tell me this. And the daughter tells her, like, yeah, thanks, I do. And I just couldn't stop, like... And then Judy is just... She's heartbroken. It's okay, I love you. And she's bawling, crying in the phone box. But she says to the daughter, it's okay, I love you. And I just thought, oh, she's such a good mom in that scene. Like, that's absolutely the right thing to do. Even though she obviously has her flaws as a mother. Well, what a difficult thing to do to put... That's And, you know... It's, she's putting her children's needs above her own feelings which is you know sounds like an obvious thing to do but that's a devastating thing to be because that far from your children her, I can't yeah. imagine like I went away for a, a week recently and I found it really hard to be away from, from you and Oscar and it's just yeah it was that scene was like I was like she like Renee Zellweger, Zellweger is acting the pants off this phone box like she needs nothing else Why, in her hand but a phone. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Renee Zellweger is acting the pants off this phone box. <laughs> um, and then the last scene I wanted to talk about was the whole movie, right? Somewhere Over the Rainbow is possibly one of my favourite songs ever written. I think it is like almost... like I, I can't think of an example of a song that's as enduring, beautiful, and it's such a stunning song, right? I absolutely love it. And I was waiting for the whole movie and I and I just kept waiting for her to sing it. And when she finally sang it, before she'd even started and before they'd even said she was going to sing it, I just thought she was going to sing it and I was already crying. And then it was... Oh my God, Renee Zellweger. Like, Anne Hathaway, eat your heart out in Les Mis. 
I actually think in this scene that she wasn't miming. She was actually singing. But I could be wrong. I don't know. It was unbelievable anyway. Do you know it, what was so good about it was oh, the range of emotions that she... That's what I mean, th- in one that song. That she goes through in that song that also reflect every state we saw her experience in that movie. So it start, you know, we see joy... Then anger. There it goes into. She gets angry yeah. at one point, and then it just breaks down. She can't finish the song from the sadness. It's and there's a bit where the audience, her like her two, um, oh, fans, that, that was too much for me. And if they it, started if, singing, and it, I thought, oh no, this is getting too cheesy. But then I thought, actually, the whole movie has been about how much she needs our adoration, and she's constantly saying how much she gives, and she never gets anything from anyone, and no one helps her perform. So actually in that moment, albeit it was cheesy, they helped her and she not only got audience validation, but she actually got support because she wasn't able to sing the end of the song. I mean, and I I'm, thought I'm that not, was wonderful. I'm not going to argue with you that thematically that's very neat. but And they were and maybe, two allies. Maybe that did actually happen, but it was for me so cringy and the equivalent of like a slow clap from a sports movie. I just... I, 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 and yet you were crying very uh, loudly once. Yeah, happened. but I was already crying. The tears weren't <laughs> stopping at that stage, right? I had water like dripping on my jeans, right? That's how much I was crying. And do you know what? Do you know when I the, the tears intensified then when they hit you with the last whammy of she died six months later, she was forty seven. Yeah. Go fuck you go fuck yourselves, audience. <laughs> and I was um, just like, Oh man. Yeah. Just and she like, just said you won't forget me, will you? And it's like oh, oh. And again, we're, if you haven't seen it, you shouldn't be listening to Spoiler Street, but we're probably making it sound cheesy, but like, go and watch it. And I think it's really one to see in a cinema as well. Like, it, I thought it was... It teeters on cheesy occasionally, but so rarely. And it's just like, she just carries the whole... The, the, the foundation of the movie around her is really good, and she elevates it, so it's like... And you know, you mentioned Amy Winehouse earlier, but um, like we rewatched the Amy Winehouse documentary this year because we had the director asked if Capadia on our live show this summer and there's, there's scenes in this movie there's a lot of are, parallels there's scenes in this movie that are verbatim uh, Amy Winehouse scenes from that documentary where she's on stage she doesn't know what city she's in she falls over she's so high she's so drunk the audience is mocking her and you just think these poor women they're that are put in these situations like the Amy Winehouse that, in, in that particular concert it was like everyone around her knew that she should not be on stage and they had financial commitments. They put her there anyway. This was slightly different in that actually somebody tried to not let Judy Garland go on stage and she kind of forced herself on. Um, but again, Judy Garland is just a product of of this this life she had. Um, so I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, to watch this same scene twice in one year one of which was actually real footage one of them was the movie but I'm sure this is based on like I had read before that at the London show people had thrown bread at her and stuff and you know she does this amazing scene where she's doing a TV interview and he's being a little bit flippant and asking her about her custody battles and she's like I'm a real person and this really is intense. my family Yeah, you're like don't like it's not sport to ask somebody about a custody battle with their yeah, but children that's, that's the thing nothing has changed in terms of celebrities and uh, society's expectations on of, of uh, their 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 expectation of ownership of them and everything that goes into their lives. We're seeing it with Meghan Markle now. We're seeing it with we've seen it over decades and decades about everybody. We feel like we own them and we have we should have. And the, and that you say we the newspapers. Generally, you don't mean us. Too. I mean you I mean the, no, I don't. But yeah. the 
I mean, people, and the and 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 the the British press in particular feel that they have a responsibility to report this because it's in quote unquote the public interest. And you saw it with Ben Stokes, the cricket player, recently. We're seeing the same cycle happening with Instagram influencers and Love Island contestants. It's a, a eat them up, uh, take everything you can get, chew them, spit them out, and forget about them. Yeah, and you and, complete, like completely dehumanise these people. Yeah, they are. It's it's a vicious, vicious. And it's not just the English media; it's all cycle. over the world. No, it's not. It's ev- yeah. yeah, it is everywhere. Um, but yeah, well, so it's not everywhere. It's probably it's probably not in some like. I mean, it'd be particularly heightened in places like London and, L- and LA, right? You know, places where yeah. celebrities are. It's, but yeah, it's uh, just anyway, such it's just, a good movie. Yeah, and it's like it feels it could be set now. It's got a lot. Yeah, it's got thematically. It, it says it says a lot. That's what the best cinema does. It ref- makes you think about the world we live in. Yeah, and it did it through the lens of an absolutely just beautiful, heart wrenching person that lived. And give us a glimpse of her. And again, I'm not sure how much of that is true. I'm sure, like with anything, it's there's there's reading between the lines. But the the whole package there, I just was yeah, oh, sensational. I actually had forgotten that Liza Minnelli was her daughter as well. We briefly saw her. Oh, was her. that Liza Minnelli in the? Oh, of yeah. course, yeah. Oh my god. I, I mean, Liza Minnelli looks so like. She even her. looked like her. Yeah. Um, I mean, the actress she they looked like a young Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh god. All anyway. Right. Love it. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. But honestly, I ca- I can't remember the last time I loved love like with my heart loved a movie that much. You know, often you watch a movie and like intellectually you know it was great, and you can really admire it. But to f- it's so interesting because like her two super fans say like your voice bypasses her ears and we feel it in our hearts. And I feel like that about the movie. Like even that bit at the end where borderline, even I thought it was a little bit cheesy. The over the rainbow thing. I didn't care because it was so touching. Yeah. Um. Like. Yeah. I just can't. Do you think that happened in real life? I sincerely doubt. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure whenever she sang. There's no way. There's no way a British audience did that. I'm sure whenever she sang over the rainbow, people would have joined in. Do you think people? There are videos of her on YouTube singing when she's older, and it's incredible. Like her singing that song. Yeah. Do you think people were actually throwing their breadsticks? That happened. Yeah. Apparently. Oh God. And people are horrible, like. But also, if you think about it, to be fair, again, this movie's sympathetic to her. If you'd paid whatever yeah, hundreds of pounds to see her, yeah. and she shows up two hours late and completely pissed, it's I like, mean, I wouldn't throw bread at someone, but I understand like when, the sentiment. Like when Axel Rose came out an hour late a few years ago in Dublin, and they were all booing him, and then he said something like "fuck you" all and walked away. <laughs> it, but that's pretty it's much just what like she that. Did. It's pretty much like that. Give me the Axl Rose biopic. So I understand um, for sure the audience's frustration, and I'm not like saying that that was a good thing to do. And again, like this movie obviously was sympathetic to her. What if? Okay, what if they double build this with a movie that's written from the perspective of an audience member <laughs> that had been saving up his whole life to see Judy Garland, and then she showed up she really showed up. late, and he got pissed off. I mean, I think you'd get. To be honest, I think if an actor that, you get your money back. Oh, there's one more scene I want to talk about. Because the whole movie, like, we're seeing flashbacks to her wanting to eat as a kid and being told she's not allowed to eat, she's too fat. Um, we see a scene with her husband saying, like, have breakfast. And she's like, no, no, like, we've never seen her eat in the whole movie. We've never seen her eat except as a kid when she shoves a burger oh, in her mouth. Yeah, yeah, they buy her a cake. And these two people are just eating the cake as normal. And her eating is so disordered that she's just staring at this piece of cake. 
and eventually she takes one tiny bit on her fork and eats it and it's like a huge thing for her to be able to do that and that is just devastating as well and like when the doctor says to her like you're really underweight and she says oh now you're just flirting with me and like that's a funny line but that's also devastating that that's how she saw that it tells you so much about the product of the environment that she grew up in it's just so sad anyway honestly but the movie but the movie is so beautiful that like I don't feel even though I cried a lot and thought it was really sad I don't feel sad leaving it I still think like I'm, I'm so happy I saw it whereas like when I left Joker I just felt so devastated and awful after it for ages that's not how I feel after this movie. Well, she speaks about hope before, yeah. you know, the way she intros the um, Somewhere Over the Rainbow is, I don't know, the writing was quite beautiful around it. It was wonderful. Um, anyway. What did what she say? Something like, you know, this is about walking towards your, your, your dreams, dreams oh. but actually sometimes the walk is all there is. She didn't even need to sing it. I was yeah. just gone. Like, But anyway, loved it. Thank you for coming, spending my birthday with me. What yes, well, need? okay, we're going. We're actually going to the cinema again <laughs> later because Kathy wanted to go twice in one day. That was your I mean, birthday. I mean, birthday girl wants a birthday girl gets. So, so we're doing a classic double bill: uh, Judy followed by Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> um, I yeah. think this. I think this movie is going to pair really well together. I think Terminator is not going to live up to Judy, but I'm willing. Well, I'll be te- proven wrong. Here's the thing: you may, uh, you may be listening to these in that order or out of order. We're going to put a uh, poll up on. Twitter for you to decide which one you want us to release first at the cinema because we've got two of these bad boys to put out <laughs> we never have two done at the same time anyway so head to our Twitter um, head to Facebook Instagram if you want to chat with us let us know if you've seen Judy on a Thursday rainy afternoon like we did were you in our audience and were maybe you, bring someone like I brought Dave who doesn't want to see it and surprise them because that's it's, it's not often you're surprised by movies right usually you kind of get what you think you're going to yeah, get yeah you're right it did surprise me um, yeah. Okay. Bye. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. There's a land you won't forget me, will you? Promise you won't. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Cruikshank, and I've always been told I have a face for podcasting. So I launched a podcast. It's called Phone a Friend because each week I'll break down the biggest stories in pop culture. But when I have questions, I get to phone a friend. I'll phone a royal watcher to find out why Prince Harry is acting like a real housewife. I'll phone a tween to please explain euphoria. And maybe I'll even phone a Backstreet Boy to find out if I still have a chance. I don't? Okay. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.